Well, when you look back over your life, do you ever wonder about the people who crossed your path and how they got there? And you think back about your life, who are those people that have come into your life that, um, that have meant something to you, that uh, you wonder how in the world did they ever get there? Maybe it was a coach or maybe it was a teacher that made a difference in the way that you see the world. Uh, maybe it was uh, your first girlfriend and the way she taught you about relationships or the friend from work uh, that you used to have and the conversations that you used to have about life. Uh, people come and go uh, every day and every relationship that we have, it, it means something to us and it adds value to our life. There are a few times in my life when I think back to myself about the people who have come into my life and as I was thinking about this question, I I laughed a little bit because I thought about how God put me and my college roommate, uh, Chris, together and how we came together and uh, we met. Uh, still to this day, we're friends. Uh, we connect once in a while, although not as often as, as we would like to. We do stay connected. In fact, just this past week, I was able to uh, talk with him and connect with him, and that was, that was fun. But Chris and I couldn't be more different uh, if that was possible on the spectrum of things. Uh, if you were to walk into our room in college and you walked in on the left-hand side, that was Chris's side. And Chris's side was neat. Everything had a place. There was a place for everything. His comb went in a certain place. His deodorant was in a certain place. His shoes were tucked you know, in the right place. His clothes were hung up. And, and so everything had a place, and there was a place for everything. And then if you went to my side, on the right-hand side, well, I had a place for everything. It was just in piles. And you know, that's where my stuff lived. And so uh, that, was, that was the way we kind of lived. If you were to have a conversation with us, there was no question which one of us was going to start the conversation. That was going to be me. I was the talker. I was the person who would talk. I love to talk, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Chris will talk, but he's quite eloquent, and he thinks deeply, and he thinks long and hard before he utters even a syllable. He has thought through, he has scrutinized, he has thought about each word to make sure it's the right word uh, before he shares it. But what he shares has uh, value and has power for sure. Uh, Chris is also unmovable. I've noticed that Chris makes a decision, and when he makes a decision, he stands by it. Uh, one time I remember walking into the uh, bathroom at the church, or bathroom at the school, and I walked in, and there was Chris. He had bought a set of hair clippers, and he was cutting his own hair. And I'm like, what are you doing? He said, well, I, I did the math. I figured out that if I buy clippers for $20, and I'm paying my hair for $20, if I do it this way, then I'm going to be saving money. And so he did that. He made a decision, and I don't know, maybe to this day, he still cuts his own hair. Uh, but he made the decision, and he just stood by it. He lives by his convictions, and I've always admired that uh, about Chris. Uh, I have convictions too, but I tend to go with the flow. I'm not quite so immovable as, as he tends to be. I say all this because as I look back over my years with Chris, I realize how much I've learned from him. I realize how much he's uh, been able to impart his wisdom into my life, uh, unbeknownst to him, just in the way we've shared life together. We are opposites in many ways, and so opposites, I think, do attract. And because what I've learned in my own life is there's something special about seeing the world from someone else's perspective. Right? When I see the world from his perspective, I learn something, and there's something special in that. One trait that I've learned from Chris over the years, uh, and that I continue to learn, uh, even to this day, is to think before I act. <laughs> That's something that I learned, I think, from Chris. Unlike Chris, I've always been a ready, fire, aim kind of person. That's always been my way. And sometimes that energy and that silly way of approaching life, that can be fun. Just ask Cindy. She'll tell you that can be a great joy in people's life. But, you know, 
Other times it can get you into some trouble, and Cindy can also tell you that. But one of the blessings that came out of COVID for me, as I think about where we are in this world today, is that when the world shut down, when everything began to shut down, and we couldn't go anywhere, we couldn't do anything, I was forced to value the importance of aiming. I was forced to value the concept of aiming. There was no firing anymore because we weren't going anywhere. Somebody pulled the firing pin. There was no way anybody was going anywhere or doing anything. And during those early days of the pandemic, I spent many hours of my day thinking and planning. And to use the illustration, I was spending more time aiming than I had ever aimed before. And rather than firing, I was getting used to that. And I had to get comfortable with aiming. It was also during those early years, uh, those early months anyway, when the world slowed down that I found myself looking inward. I found myself looking inward, trying to figure out how was I going to respond to the craziness of the world all around me. Those introspective side, that introspective side of me, uh, has been finding its way out in these last few months. As I take time uh, to read the Bible, as I'm making sure I take time to pray and spending time doing that, as I take time outlining my day in a day planner and I review my life goals on a regular basis, when I start my day out by checking off these to-dos and I start by checking off time with God, I am always much better in my day than when I wake up and I start running. When I take time to aim, when I take time to pray, when I take time to spend time with God, I'm always much better in my day than when I just wake up and I go. And so I found that by taking the time to aim before I fire, that helps me get through the challenges of whatever the day holds. And get through the challenging time, or if I'm about to do something hard, I, I try to make sure that I'm aiming before I fire. And so I ask you this morning, what about you? What about you? How do you prepare to do something difficult, something challenging, something hard. When you're facing a challenge, what is your process for getting ready to deal with that process or to deal with that challenge mentally, uh, physically, even spiritually? Because wherever you are and whatever you do in the moments before that challenge, that's what's going to determine how you make it through your challenge. Let me say this another way. The way you prepare for your challenge is what's going to determine how successful you are getting through your challenge. What you do in the moments before, how you prepare is how you're going to make it through. For example, if I said today, tomorrow, that I was going to run a marathon, particularly as I'm sitting here with my calf today, but if I said to you I was going to run a marathon, that would not work out well for me. If I said tomorrow I'm going to run a marathon, I would not make it so well. We have some runners in our family. And I asked Beth about this. I said, you know, as an athlete in, in our family, uh, Beth enjoys running. And so based on the fact that she's been running in this year, she's run cross country, she has done winter track, and now she's started with uh, spring track, she could probably run a half marathon with very little prep, I would say. But a full marathon, even for Beth, who's been training for these, this last year, that would require some additional training for her. She would have to prepare for that. Her dad, who's woefully out of shape, would require at least half a year, if not a full year, to begin to think about a half marathon, let alone a full marathon. The point is, the moments before you do something determine how successful you're going to be. Beth's training would better prepare her for a race as compared to her dad, 
who's done no training at all. When it comes to something hard in your life, how do you prepare for the challenge that you're going to face? Are you conditioning yourself so that when trouble comes in this life, you'll be ready? Because in this life, you will have troubles. In reading Esther, as we've been going along with this study, the queen has received word, where we are in our, our reading, the queen has received word from her uncle Mordecai. Mordecai has told Esther that this evil man, Haman, the second in charge to the king, King Xerxes, Haman has convinced King Xerxes to proclaim a day of death for all the Jews. Last week, Esther replied to her uncle, as, as Mordecai sends this message, or, uh, Esther replies and says, uh, says, you know what, uncle, I just want to wait and see what happens. Let's just see what happens. And Mordecai gently, gently challenged this woman that he loves like a daughter. And this is what we talked about last week. He said, you have to go see your husband, the king. God has put you in this place as queen to speak out on behalf of your people. You are here for such a time as this. That's where we ended our time last week. And so this is where we pick up our reading in Esther chapter 4 today. Esther hears her uncle's words. He hears her challenge to her. And this is what he says. Or this is what uh, uh, that she says. Then Esther sent this reply back to her uncle Mordecai. She says, go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or night. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and I will see the king. If I must die, I must die. How do you prepare to do something difficult? We don't usually enter into situations in our daily living that might cause us to die, that could result in our death. We might have to go face our boss and tell him or her that we made a mistake, or, or we might have to go give someone some bad news that they really didn't want to hear. We might get in trouble with our finances, or we might find ourselves in a difficult relationship, or we might be making a decision that's unpopular with others, but we don't usually make a decision that results in our death. And yet that's what Esther is about to do here. She is going to head into the throne room of the king, the one who will possibly receive her or might cast her out forever. But before she goes into this difficult task, Esther asks Mordecai to gather all the people that he can and to fast and to pray for her. How do you prepare to do something difficult? Because we can learn something here from Esther that if we can get this right, it'll make all the difference when we go and we face that difficult situation. When we go into this difficult situation, in every single one, if we can get this understanding, it is going to make all the difference for us. When you see something ahead that you don't want to do, when there's some action that you have to take that scares you and makes you afraid, what if you stopped and you prayed before you went any further? What if you stopped and you prayed and you even tapped somebody else on the shoulder and invited them to pray with you for whatever you were about to do? That is what Esther literally does. It's what gave her the courage to enter into the throne room of the king. Years ago when I was a pastor just starting out, I preached a message in my first church, and it was titled, Stop, Drop, and Pray. 
which was literally just, uh, it was a takeoff of the, the fire safety lesson, stop, drop, and roll. And I took it and I turned it into stop, drop, and pray. And what was really funny to me is I remember this because afterwards one of the members actually went out and bought a matchbox car and it was a fire truck and they put the word stop, drop, and pray on the matchbox car and gave it to me and I kind of kept it on my desk uh, for a really long time. But the point that I was making then is the same one that I'm uh, making now, that when you face a hard moment and you don't know what to do, when your life's on the line and you're scared, stop, drop, and pray. Stop what you're doing, drop to your knees, and pray. We try so hard to muscle through everything. We try to do everything in our own strength. We see conflict and we get scared, and either it throws us off center or it throws us off balance, and then we react. We react out of our fear or we retreat out of our fear. What if instead, when we come up against hard times, we stop, we drop, and we pray? What if we stop what we're doing, we drop to our knees, we pray for God to give us strength. We pray for the Holy Spirit to comfort us in that moment when we need comfort. We go to the Lord and we ask Him for wisdom and we ask Him for direction to help us get through whatever that situation is. When Esther realized that God had put her on the earth for such a time as this, for this position of being queen, she prepared to do a hard thing. She took three days of fasting and prayer and she grabbed her closest friends, her, her maids, essentially, and her servants, and she asked them to be with her. Uh, before she even made a move, she prayed for three days. And what's more, not only did she pray and the people closest to her pray, she asked her uncle to gather anybody within their family line. She asked all the Jews. She invited everybody who was part of her team and her community, all those around her, to pray with her. I don't know who your closest people are who you can tap on the shoulder and ask them to pray. But here at the church, we have a prayer team. I talk about it every single Sunday. Weekly, there are people who receive an email about the prayers that are going on in this community, and they take those prayers and they pray for people. You can send us an email. I've told this. You can send us a, a comment on Facebook. You can go to our website. You can use the prayer app. And, and I just want to put a plug in here. If you don't have the prayer app on your phone and you own a smartphone, please go get the prayer app. It is free. It is easy. And so if you needed prayer and you have the prayer app on your phone and you're going through something, you go click, you go click, and you say, please pray for me, and you hit send. And there's a bunch of people who will receive that instantaneously and they will begin to pray for you, right? No matter what you are facing, there are people who will pray with you. Last week, I said that the strongest source of courage in the face of fear is our faith. That's the strongest source of courage. It's our faith. When you need strength to face whatever hardships are standing in front of you, the best shot in the arm, the best encouragement for you is to draw upon your faith. And so stop, drop, and pray. And bring others into your life with prayer, too. And when you do that, you'll find that God answers. Sometimes God will answer in the most mysterious ways possible. In 1893, there's a man. His was a, a clergyman, actually. His name was Reverend Shaw. And Reverend Shaw printed a book entitled Touching Incidents and Remarkable Answers to Prayer. He compiled a collection of these incredible stories where God answered prayers. And in that book, he tells the story of two young girls and these young girls, uh, back in 1893, they were uh, going for a walk, and they were trying to collect uh, scrap wood for fuel for their home, for their family. 
And they went out to collect this wood. And on the way back, the older girl, her name was Vanny, Vanny collapsed from lingering effects from an illness. She had cholera. And the effects were still lingering. And so she collapsed on the way home. And so her younger sister, Annie, was only five years old. And there was nothing that Annie, as a five-year-old, could do to help her older sister. And so Vanny, kind of when she came to, she, she said, Annie, just sit, just sit with me. Because Mother always told us that when we got into trouble and we had a need, we should turn to God and pray. And so let's do that. And so together, these two girls sat on the side of the road, and they prayed that God would help them. And so that's what they did. And then they waited. They waited for God to respond. A little while later, a little farther down the road, this man appeared coming out of a factory that they could see way down the way. And the two girls were excited because they're like, here's the man that God is sending us uh, to help us. And he looked down the road towards these two girls. And then the man turned around and went back into the factory. The girls were a little despondent, a little de dejected there. But a little while later, the man came back out and their hopes came back up. The man looked down the road towards them. And then he went back into his factory. And then a little while later, even still, the man came back a third time. This time he came out, he put his hat on, and he walked all the way down the road until he got to them. And when he came up upon them, he said, hey, do you need some help? They explained their situation. And the man picked up Vanny, the older sister, and he carried her all the way uh, to their home. Once the girls were safely delivered to their house, uh, the gentleman told them the story of how he had come to even find them. He said, I'm the owner of the ink factory uh, down the way. And he had been working hard on the payroll checks for his workers. And suddenly, as he was pouring out over his books, his eyes uh, clouded up and his vision got blurry and he couldn't see anymore. And he had the strongest impression that someone on the road wanted to see him. And so he stepped outside, he tried to focus down the way and, and look and see, but he couldn't see anyone, so he turned around and went back to work. He figured that was just something strange. The darkness and his vision got even worse, the impression was even greater, so again, he got up from his desk, he walked outside, puzzled, he looked down the way and he couldn't see anything down the way. So he went back inside, he found himself unable to even grip the pen to write a word. And moreover, the urgency in his mind that someone needed his assistance was on his heart and on his, on his mind. So he fetched his hat, he walked uh, up the street in bewilderment until he saw the girls who had earnestly uh, been looking for someone to come and to help them. When you face trouble, stop immediately. Turn to God and pray. Invite others to join you. Send an email to our church and on the, or on the app or the phone. If it isn't there already, as I said, start using it. Go get it. Use the app whenever you want to share a prayer with someone. You don't have to face whatever you're facing alone. There's a community of people who are here who want to pray with you. And so we are together the body of Christ. Our goal every day is to lift each other up, to help forge that relationship with God and with each other so that we don't have to carry our burdens alone, but together we can lift each other up and carry those burdens together. When, so when you face your next challenge, whatever it is, when you face that next challenge, Instead of running, instead of running away or lashing out based on your anxiety or fear, take a breath. Take a deep breath. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Get yourself ready. Make sure you aim. And then fire with prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you uh, for this story of Esther. I thank you for the power of 
uh, your word that inspires us, encourages us, and teaches us how we can grow closer to you and closer to each other. Uh, we thank you, God, for this day and pray that you would help us as a church uh, to be mindful of how we can be including each other uh, in our daily living so that we don't have to walk this walk alone. And prayer is one of the greatest gifts that you have given to us, Lord. You answer every prayer. And so we pray, God, that you would help us, that as we are learning to trust you, as we are learning to trust you, Lord, we can uh, trust that you are always hearing us and that you will answer in your time and uh, give us your grace to be able to do that. We pray all of this today in Jesus' name. Amen.